Church family, it's very rare that I would come to the podium and leave the notes for which I've prepared all week. Uh, I grew up, of course, after my father died in a lot of different churches, and I found at times the pastor would get up and preach without notes, and I really don't think he had any. He just would wing it, and so your pastor has an aversion to not being prepared. And I know the Lord speaks through his preached word, and I know you can dedicate series, and I trust that you've been encouraged in our study of Psalms 23, and I was ready this morning to preach to you on the subject, Near Shepherds, Confident Sheep. But I believe the Lord would have me just exhort you this morning. Um, I greeted a sister of mine this morning, and I shared just some encouragement and um, she said, you have no idea what this meant to me today. And I felt in my spirit, she's not the only one. So as a pastor, I'll tell you the last 5%, you always think in your natural mind where you're going to have visitors there. And, you know, you didn't even preach a sermon. They'll go to lunch and say, he just got up and talked. And I'm willing for all that to be said if I can reach that one person this morning that needs encouragement. So, um, I don't know all of where this is going, but if you'll take the journey with me, I believe the Lord will speak through willing hearts and to willing ears. So would you pray for me this morning as I pray for myself? Father, I just offer myself to you this morning. Uh, if there ever was an unworthy minister in the world, that's me. And I just am humbled, and I don't mean that self-deprecating, I'm just aware of who I am. Uh, but I know that you can use me and you can anoint me and use my past experiences, things I've learned in your word, things I've learned about you, and I can share them. If your spirit anoints it, Lord, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's what I pray today, that it would be like the windows of our soul being opened and God's breath breathing through our home like cool spring breezes like the rain that's fell on the outside, let it fall on the inside of our heart this morning. So whether, oh Lord, I talk for 10 minutes or 20, I just pray, oh Lord, that your will would be done today because that's all that matters, that your will would be done in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. God does not haphazardly give promises. Many people quote the scripture that the Lord grants us the desire of our heart and they feel primarily that that means that whatever the desire is, he fulfills it. And yes, in a way, but I think that's secondary. I think the primary thing is he grants, he infuses and deposits the desire. God grants the desire of our heart. He decrees it before he fulfills it before he realizes it. The Bible tells us that God watches over his word to perform it. He watches over. When he speaks something to you, uh, see, you can't just open your Bible and grab a verse and, you know, just say, now that's mine for this season. And you say, well, wait a minute now, Brother John. All the word of God is God's word. Yes, yes it is. And it's for instruction and in righteousness. But you can't take seasonal promises and apply them to the wrong season. You can't just open your Bible and, you know, 
And you open your Bible, Judas went and hung himself. And you close it and you open it up, go and do thou likewise. You can mess up, see, you can't. But when God speaks to you from the book, or when he speaks to you in the pages of your walk with him, and he says, I'm going to give you a child. Or he says, I'm going to give you advancement. I'm going to heal this. I'm going to restore this. Usually, you're the only one that hears it. And that's a lonely walk. You can walk with someone, and there are many godly women in this room that uh, walk with husbands who've heard from the Lord, and they might not have heard, and that is hard to do when you follow uh, someone. Because when you get a word from the Lord, sometimes He speaks to both. Sometimes he speaks to the wife and the, woman, the man has to mutually submit. And to hold on to those promises, though, when there's no crowd around you believing with you or for you, when there's nothing on the horizon that would make that promise seem applicable or possible, we have to know what we know in our hearts. And it is a narrow walk between the promise and the fulfillment. It is an uphill walk between the promise and the fulfillment. It's a lonely walk between the promise and the fulfillment. It can be a disappointing walk. But, but the walk, God does two things at one time. When he gives you the promise, it's to infuse you with courage knowing that God can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And it's to change you. So the promise is for the thing. But the process changes you before you get to the destination. So not only do you receive the promise, you're never the same after the process. You're never the same on this side of fulfillment. On this side of our three babies. After the Lord gave me one, word, one phrase, he said, your babies, you will not find your babies, they will find you. And they found us. I'm no longer the same guy. There is a confidence that comes from the constricting path and, and the, 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 the winnowing path that when the children come, not only do you have the fulfillment, but you're different and you're changed. And I believe there may be people here this morning that you've believed so long for something that maybe you're not saying it's not going to happen, but you don't believe anymore that it is. You can give up before you give up. And the Bible says it's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises. Well, God, if I could just see it happening. You know, sometimes if God gives us a word and we can see it in progression, I'm okay. But when nothing's moving, am I the only one that's ever been there? Nothing's moving. Our natural reasoning deduces that it's not happening. When the angel appeared before Mary and says, you are highly favored. You're highly favored of God and you're going to bring forth a son and they're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And she said, how can these things be? So you would say, how can God bring the promise he gave me to pass? How can this be? And the angel said, and I'm paraphrasing in our modern vernacular, okay? And you look it up in the Bible and see if it's contradictory at all. He said, oh, it'll be easy because the power of God is going to come upon you. 
and the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. It's going to be a divine thing. So having never known a man intimately, divine seed occurred in her womb. She conceived the God-man, Jesus Christ the Lord, and she brought him forth. Can you imagine what it was like for Joseph during this? All of a sudden, you know, and guys, by the way, I would never advise you to say anything along these lines, but you're eating a lot of carbs here, darling. It's, it's, what happened? And she goes, well, I'm pregnant. They had to have had the conversation. She probably told him about the angel, I would assume. And then, you know, Joseph's friends would say, well, Joseph, y'all aren't married yet. How's Mary pregnant? Oh, it's the Lord. What do you mean? God made her pregnant. Have you ever had a promise from the Lord that you couldn't really explain to someone else and it doesn't really make sense? And no matter how you say it, you just go, never mind, just whatever. They, you know, they'll group you. Don't let people who have never heard his voice hinder you from hearing him for yourself. And so when that child was born, just like God had said, Mary was changed. She heard promises and it said she just pondered them in her heart. It altered her because she knew that, here it is, even if the pieces are not in place to produce the outcome, God can do it anyway. That's it. See, there has to be the egg. There has to be the seed. The seed and the egg have to come together. It has to be fertilized. It has to conceive. It has to be nurtured. And God said, no, I don't use those steps. And the things that are written in the scripture, and what I want to encourage you about this morning is how many times in the Bible God did something without the variables. When he made Adam, you've heard me refer to this. I call him the mud man. He just scooped up some mud, dirt of the earth, clay, mud, maybe out of a creek bed, maybe out of it. Maybe he just spoke dirt into existence. But he just made out of the earth. And he formed not in the womb of a woman. You think that's the miracle? First of all, it is a miracle. And it have, you know, the looks of the woman, hopefully, and the baby's formed, you know, and everybody in the family's head shaped like a squash, and the baby comes out, and his head shaped like a squash. It, all that's a whole different story. But God, but God scoops up this dirt. How did he form him? His hands. And he pulled them out. Pulled his arms out made his fingers and then he said and that piece of mud come to life and he became a soul a living soul aware of God aware of his surroundings aware of himself and aware of what was missing he was lonely and God said, it's not good that this man should be alone. He's not happy. That's why when people are married for a long time and the husband dies, the woman's okay. She got a dog or a cat. She's fine. Once is enough. I'm good. A man loses. It ain't good for men to be alone. Men go crazy. Men need woman. So God put Adam to sleep. He reached into his side, pulled out a rib and fashioned her. And made her, and when Adam come to, he said, whoa, man. And so that's how you got woman. So, see? <laughs> whoa, that's good. Lord, that's good. God is good. So, 
My point is, with nothing there, he creates. We read the Bible stories and we believe that that happened. But we don't believe that in our life he can operate without variables. That he can just speak and something happened. We have more faith in our maneuverings and our manipulations. We have more faith in networking than we do the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. You don't need to know the right people. You know the shepherd. You know the one that creates. See, man makes. God creates. Men can make stuff, but they have to kill something to make something. I've shared this with you before. Everything that we make, we have to kill something to make it. Those concrete blocks, that earth that we use to make the concrete, it's dead now. We had to kill it to make the concrete. That chair you're sitting on was a tree. It can never be a tree again. We killed the tree. We made the chair. It's no longer a tree. It's a chair. You follow me? But God doesn't start with variables. The things that appear, the Bible said, the earth, the solar system, the solar systems, the billions of stars, the Bible said he made out of things that do not appear. What does that mean? It means that he stepped out on nothing and said, let there be lights. And it came into being. Our problem is that we don't appropriate the scriptures internally. If God's a creator, that means he doesn't need pieces. I'm amazed at the people that still, you know, it's been 30, 40 years now, I guess, that they've pushed evolution on us and told us that, you know, two pieces of space dust collided. And, you know, where'd the space dust come from? It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it ever did to believe in creation. But anyway, have I told you all the story about the, uh, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Okay. You know, when they, always, when they have a debate, they always bring together a very articulate atheist with DDS and BBC and ABC and CBS and ESPN and all those degrees. He's, you know. And then they got, for, for the guy endorsing the Lord, it's Billy Bob Jones, you know, <laughs> hair sticking straight up, Miss Button shirt. You know what I'm talking about. So the guy gets up and he takes his 20 minutes and he pontificates upon not only the theory, but the positive reality of evolutionary process and how the amoeba was birthed, you know, belched up on the shore after the space dust collided, the amoeba belched up on the shore and it crawled and became a tadpole and became a frog and so on and so on. Now we have men and women and all the animals and the ecosystems. And he got done and they were... And here comes Chuck. (laughs) Come on, Chuck from... Where are you from? Osceola. Come on up, Chuck. And if you're from Osceola, it's all right, South Georgia. We're good. You're near the King Frog exit. You're good. Y'all don't remember King Frog exit, do you? 67 billboards on the way to the King Frog exit. Anyway, so they introduced this hillbilly. He comes out and he says to the guy that spoke, the doctor, whatever, and he goes, that was nice, you know, wasn't nothing to it, but that was nice. So he brings up a radio. Y'all remember boom boxes? No, I don't mean the little radios. I mean on the shoulder, bend down boom boxes. He used his 25 minutes to disassemble the boom box. He didn't talk. He took all the pieces together, took all the pieces, he took the speaker out, took the wiring out, the dial. Y'all don't remember the dial? He took the dial apart. The antenna, the backing of the speaker, the magnets, 
all the police, put it in a box, taped it shut, and wrote Big Bang on the top. He slammed the box down. He goes, bam, radio. Poured all the pieces out. He goes, huh, that didn't work. Walked off the stage. So their argument was the pieces collided and made. That's the best they can come up with. God stands in the background and says, I made the pieces and don't even need them. Don't even need them. I speak over your life what I want to happen and it will happen. If God told you you're going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. If God told you he's going to heal, he's going to heal. And I would rather, I would rather get to the end of my life not seeing the fulfillment, having believed than to agree with all of these carnal, unbelieving Christians that never expect anything from the Lord anyway. Blessed is the man that expects nothing from the Lord, for he shall not be disappointed. I believe. Those three Hebrew boys bound hand and foot. The king said, if, if you don't bow, we'll give you one more chance. If you don't bow, you're going to be thrown into this burning, fiery furnace. And they said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God whom we serve is able, just period. Somebody say able, able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. See, Christians like to use generalities. Oh, I know the Lord can. But when you said, I know he can do this, that's a whole different step. They said, I know that God is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. Watch. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, period. And here's the part that charismatics don't like. They think it's a lack of faith, but it's the purest form of faith. He said, and he, he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, if something happens and we burn up in your fire and we're made to look like fools, we're still not going to bow down and serve your gods. Still not going to be an unbeliever. <laughs> Believing in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And leaning not unto your own understanding. Listen. And leaning not unto your own understanding. Stop leaning upon your power of deducing or counting up what's happening. Not leaning upon the variables. Not giving credence to what someone else says or doesn't say. Sometimes it's in the still parts of your heart where the Lord says, I've got this. That's it. That, you don't know how he's got this. You don't know what that means. You just heard, I've got this. So what's he wanting to happen for you? He's wanting you to step into the promise and experience the peace of God that passes understanding, which means you don't have to have hands on. God's got hands on. God has his hands on this. He speaks and it happens. And he watches over his word when he gives you a word. He watches over his word to perform it. What does that mean? It means I never take my eyes off of it. Well, why is it taking so long? Because he's changing you. He's doing two things at one time. That's what you have to see. God can just change us. God can just grant us a baby. But when Kelly and I went through the process, and I heard my wife grieving on the other side of the house, and she wasn't saying these words. And my wife is not a dramatic person who desires attention or somebody to feel sorry for. But I hear my wife groaning, and it made me think of the scripture, give me children or I die. 
and I'm going and talking with God and saying, you can take 10 years off my life. I don't care. I'll bargain with you. Just grant her children. Grant us these children. And then he gives me the word. He said, you will not find your children. They'll find you. So when we walked that process, it changed Kelly. It changed me. Had he just gave it to us quickly, we would have had the desire of our heart. But walking it out, walking it out, walking through the mother's 14-day or 10-day right to rescission, walking out the four months where my wife drove every Saturday and spent four hours in that NICU, not knowing if they're going to be ours. And the devil comes in and goes, you're a fool. It's not going to happen. And do you know when you have a promise from the Lord, people come out of the woodwork telling you their stories of how it didn't work? My God, it's like magnetism. My sister tried to adopt seven. All seven of them fell through. And Kelly's like, thank you, Sister Death. I appreciate that very much. And on the drive there, I said, you're a fool. Kelly, you're a fool. You're a fool. You're going to connect your heart to these babies, and that mama's going to change her mind. Statistics show that the majority of them do, and you're going to spend four months with these babies only to have that mother say, I'm sorry. I hope you understand. I watched my wife tremble in the car. And please take this the right way. My, my wife is a woman of faith. But he gave me the gift of faith for this one thing. I don't have the gift of faith. The gift of faith, which means a supernatural, not just based on the word of the Lord. I have faith now. I believe scripture. But when God gives you the gift of faith for something, it means it's non-negotiable to you. It's already done. No big deal. It's going to happen. And he gave me faith about these babies. I said, baby, they're ours. And the reason I knew it was a gift of faith is because, listen to me, I sound confident in this thing. I knew I had the faith for it. And she was looking at me. Hers was the hardest. She didn't have the gift of faith for it. She had the longing. But when I saw her hold them the first time, and then I saw her walk through the, how many days was it? The right of rescission? 10 to 12 days, depending if it falls on the weekend. And I watched her repeatedly go from anguish to, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. On this side of it, it's not about the thing. It's the, if the Lord says it, he's watching over it to perform it. Which means the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wheresoever he wants to turn it. Oh, but they have free will. Yes, they do. But he's God. He can maneuver. He can change their life to where their will changes. That's how you got saved. You do know that. You weren't like, oh, Lord, save me. He made your life such a hell you wanted to get saved. So what's he promised you? And we're not just trying to get everything we want from the Lord. Listen, the biggest things in your life, you don't know it. Maybe you don't know this. The greatest desires in your heart were not your desires. God put them there. He put a desire in my heart to be a daddy. He put it in me. He started with Jimmy. And he added people to my life like Katie and Sabra and Kylie and Haley. But by the time the answer came with my girls, daddy was in full bloom. Do you hear me? I didn't want kids. I was one of those couples. Y'all know who you are. I'm like, I don't need no kids. I can be miserable by myself. I'm fine. Mm. 
Mm, I was good. You know how you get your pictures with all your dogs outside at Christmas? I'm fine. So he didn't grant the desire. He granted the desire and then fulfilled it. But you have to finish. You cannot have the promise stolen from you, but you can forfeit it. You can forfeit it. And this is what I want to tell you. You got to, you got to believe. You can't, you can't let the time and the disappointments change your profession. It's okay to weep and believe. It's okay to be angry and believe. Be angry and sin not. It's okay to be frustrated and believe. Just don't change your confession that God is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Then why, John, is it taking so long? Because you're the project. You're thinking the promise is the paramount thing. No, the promise is the process to change you. Because you're the only thing making it to eternity. You're the project. Every delay is to change you. Every blessing is to change you. Every trial is to change you. Every challenge is to change you. Every wide, broad place of rest and peace is to change you. He's adding and he's taking away. He's adding and taking away. And one of the greatest ways he changes you is through promises. To see if you'll believe. Now, I'll prove it to you in Scripture. Where am I at? Okay, good. We're going to beat everybody to lunch today. I promise you. We're going to beat everybody. Well, where was I? Lord, help me. Where, see, when I say stuff, I lose my place. Huh? He said it gets worse. That's encouraging. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> when God promises us something, our initial reaction is it's to get something to us. But it's not. It's to transform us. It's to change us. Let me give you a biblical example. The disciples are on the boat. If you're taking notes, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. While I was on the evangelistic field, I probably preached this in a hundred different places, so I don't have to have notes. It's just the Lord put it on my heart. It said, it said and Jesus told them, let us pass to the other side. Let us pass over. Let us. Not you go. This is a perfect story, and it's a type of every journey, okay? I, I don't know who this is for, but you need to write this down. This is a perfect type for every promise, process, fulfillment. Promise, process, fulfillment. Perfect type, which means you'll find these stages. Maybe not in this order, and maybe not equal in duration, but you'll find these stages. Let us pass over to the other side. The first thing you need to know is you're never on your own with a promise. Never. It's not, I'm going to do something for you, and then you do it. Let us. So let us be barren together before you have the children. Let us be sick before the healing comes. Let us be lonely before companionship. Us. We do this together. God and I. The Lord is my shepherd. Let us go to the other side. And the Bible said a great storm broke out. God doesn't rarely ever mention those storms to me. When he gives you a promise, he doesn't say, usually he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to bless you with children, 
But the next two years are going to be hell. He doesn't tell you. He doesn't tell you about the storms. And when the storms hit, we automatically think, watch. I'm going to read some of our mails so clearly here. Did we hear from the Lord? Did we hear from the Lord? Because if the Lord told us we're going to the other side, why the storms? That's natural reasoning, carnal reasoning. And to be carnally minded is death. It will kill you uh, emotionally and mentally. If he didn't mention the storm, he probably left it out for a reason. To see our reaction so we could learn our reaction. So they're just bailing and uh, the waves are beating into the ship. So it looks like God has uh, caught off guard. It looks like God has lost control. Now if the waves are beating into the ship, that means a full boat. What does a full boat do? Okay, so not only are we not going to the other side, we're sinking. So they wake Jesus up. Carest thou not that we perish? Okay, pan back out. Those of you with video experience, panning out. We're going to go backwards, get a wide-angle lens here. What did he tell them? Okay, let us go to the other side. They said, we're dying. How did they come to the conclusion that we're perishing? Come on, talk to me. How? They assessed the storm, the leaking boat, their fatigue, their distance from shore, and all the other Christians would gather around them and go, yep, we're dying. Where is the person? Who are you going to be in the lives of someone where you stand up beside them, knee deep in water, and go, what did God tell you in Mark 4.35? Carest thou not that we perish? I can imagine Jesus saying, who said you're perishing? Well, look. <laughs> so Jesus steps out on the bow of the boat, wiping the sleep out of his eye. And the Bible said it was tossed. Hey, wind, you know, rain, ocean. Remember me? And I'm paraphrasing. I made you out of nothing. Stop. Not only did the wind stop, you know, after the wind stops, the ocean's still choppy for a good hour or so. Everything's crystal clear. And he turned to them and said, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? John, you don't have any faith. Well, yeah, I got some faith. No, no. If you see the storm clearer than the promise... Don't ignore the storm. Don't listen to these charismatics that tell you you can't say, you know, it's not hot outside. That's negative confession. Things aren't looking good. And they say, oh, you need to be more positive. I'm positive it's not looking good. You, don't tell a lie. Sure, see the storm, but see the promise more clearly than the storm. What did I tell you? You said we're going to go to the other side. And Mark 5 verse 1 says, and they came to the other side. God is going to keep his word to you. But he will not hurry the process because of your discomfort or because we whine or because we try to reason with him See, God, if you just let me show you, I'll show you how you're making a mistake with this. And by the time we're done talking, you'll repent and change. God will outlive you. 
And he's way more stubborn than you are. He's, here's the thing you need to hear this morning. He's doing two things at one time. He's granting you something, but he's changing you in process. And they that believe never make haste, which means they're never in a hurry because they know the things along the journey cannot be bought. They're eternal. My girls, and I always, I always mention Elisha because people pick at me all the time. He's growing on me, guys. I love Elisha. He's growing on me. I like him. He's daddy. He's getting, but my girls, you know, they, they just have my heart. And now he's winning my heart. And you know what was the first thing I taught them? The first thing. The first thing. Daddy always keeps his word. And they'll finish it. Did I tell you I would take you? Because daddy always keeps his word. I wonder what your life would be like if you learned that first thing. My father keeps his word. He may not keep it in the time frame that I would desire. But since he knows best, then he must be doing something else because I know the plans he has for me to bring me to an expected end and to give me a hope. We fight the process because we are more comfort-minded than cause-minded. Now, God does want us to have seasons of comfort where we lie down in green pastures, yes. But we're on our way to Zion. We're on our way to heaven. How do you know that? He promised. (laughs) He said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where you are, where I am, you'll be also. I'm coming back for you. That's a promise. I'm amazed at the Christians that don't believe in heaven or want to go. I'm not making this up. You'll talk about heaven. Oh, I don't want to talk about that right now. It's like, you know, I know the Lord's going to unpack my tent, but do it easily, Lord. It's like fearful. And I know I'm reviewing some of the things, but I want you to know this about me. I want to go out with people watching. I want to be in my bed and looking at the people I love. I said, it's time. Here we go. Deal the next card. I'm going to close my eyes in this world, and I'm going to open mine in the next world. I believe that he keeps his word. I believe. The glory that fills your heart when you can answer someone's question. You say, I don't know what all he's doing but God keeps his word to a thousand generations. God keeps his word. He can't lie. I know y'all realize how uneducated and simple I am, but I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with myself. I'm happy with myself. I'm all right. The Lord teaches me in the strangest of ways. And one of the ways, because I have a sense of humor, you might not appreciate it, but God really likes it. He wove it into me and... It makes me forget. The older I get, I forget where I'm at. But uh, I remember I was reading that scripture. God cannot lie. Well, that's because he's holy. Mm -mm. He can't lie. It's not just that he's too pure to lie. He can't lie. So there's the purity part and there's the power part. So the purity of God, the holiness of God would not allow him to mislead you. But he can't lie. If. Now, just give me grace here. I'm trying to use an extreme illustration that can't happen to show you. If God made a mistake 
and promised you something he didn't mean to, it would happen anyway. So if God were to say, John Wood, you are a woman. Well, God couldn't say that because God can't lie. No, I'd turn into one. Do you follow me? You'd turn into one. His word goes forth with the power to accomplish it. Once he speaks it over your life or into your heart, it's a done deal unless you forfeit it. Unless you quit. When you will not be denied and you say, I believe the Lord just like he said, when he said, how he said, and though I tremble, I will not take back that God gave me a promise and if God said I'm going to the other side, to the other side I'm going to go. At the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible tells us that a great angel had rolled the stone away. I know if there's not a video store in heaven, but there's some of them I hope they have on DVD or streaming or something or whatever else they're going to do now. Can you imagine this angel coming down? Now, God could have just moved it, but he wanted people to see it. So here's this mighty angel. He rolled the stone back, and the Bible said he sat upon it. Now, I don't know what kind of angels you think they were. You probably think they had the white tunic that flared at the bottom with a trumpet and everything. I think some of them were just massive. I think you had some that just pulsed with such glory you couldn't look at them. And then you had your guys that do the dirty work. You know, you're just your big, just angels like you aren't going to mess with them, you know. So I assume he wouldn't send a small one to roll the stone away. I'm just figuring. Anyway, don't get hung up on all that. Just pray for me. It said that the angel was sitting on the stone. Now, I don't, I, I picture him sitting like, you know, long day work. And they came looking for Jesus in the tomb. And he said, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? He got up just like he said. What? You people. John, you too. You people. I've watched him for eons. He's never lied one time. And you're in a tomb looking for a living Savior. Beats all I've ever seen. Look in your Bible and you'll find it just like he said. It came to me on a Delta Airlines flight. I was reading my Bible. I'm sitting in first class. And I, uh, not that I paid for the ticket. I was able to fly non-rev, which was wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. I'm sitting there and it said, just like he said. And I went, it was like, you know how you get illumination? I went, the angel was in disbelief at the people. And I started crying. I know you'll find that hard to believe, but I started crying. And I, I was in there. I said, just like he said. Just, oh my God. Just like he said. Stuart is going by. She said, may I help? Are you okay? Just like he said. She goes, I'll just be tipping on down the aisle here. She, bothering him. Just left. I'm like, come here. I want to share the revelation, you know. And I went, just like he said. Heaven believes. Angels believe. Believers don't believe. And I'm not mocking you. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. Ben, if you'd come, please. Are you close by? I know the road is uphill and hard. I know it's dry and I know it's hard. God, I know it's hard to find people to believe with you because people, many of them are just so shallow. If everything lines up and it's downhill and the wind's blowing, they'll believe with you. But come the first difficulty, they'll 
fall away. And sometimes you just got to believe for yourself. Well, John, I can't find nobody. Can't find nobody to agree with me. Shake your own hand. Agree with yourself. God, I stand this morning naked on your word. I have no plans. I have no tools. I have no systems. I have no structures. I have no networking. I just believe that you are God Almighty and the things that you spoke in my life shall happen. The defense rest. The defense does what? And God says, what'd you say? I said, I believe you can do anything. Have your way in my life. I'm not counting odds anymore. I'm not deducing with the variables that I see anymore. On Christ's word, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, all other people, all other systems are sinking sand. You're watching over to me to perform it. Is today the day? Is today the day? Could be, but he wanted you to have this word today. I cannot lie. Bow your heads with me. I cannot lie. You said you wanted to hear from the Lord today. And he's speaking through an unworthy vessel to you. I will not lie. I will keep my word to you. With no one looking around, if that's you, I want you to come stand around this front and say, Lord, as a token of hearing your voice, I stand today. Some of you got to go dust a promise off that you stopped praying for and stopped believing for. I believe today, Lord. I believe today. I believe, Lord. 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 Oh, let faith rise in this building. I believe, Lord. Now, with no hesitation, those of you that God has done the impossible for you, you've seen it with your own eyes. Come stand around them. Come on, come quickly. Guy with a guy, girl with a girl, couple with a couple. And just put your hand on. I'm standing with you today. God cannot lie. God will not lie to you. God is working. God is watching. God is faithful. Yes, Lord. We need some ladies to come pray with these in the front here, please. Come on, guys. Come help me pray with them. God is faithful. God is with you. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word and just to rest upon his promise and just to know the same Lord Jesus
Church family, would you stand with us this morning? I want to speak to those in the altar one more time and then we're dismissed. The process is almost always painful. I have never had a promise without process. But he doesn't lie. Jesus, at the tomb of Lazarus, told Mary and Martha, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, well, I believe in the last day. He said, that's not what I asked you. I believe in the last day at the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. And then he said, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And with no help, no assistance, no momentum, no structure, no maneuvering, move the stone. And he spoke to a decomposed body that came back together and walked out and said, untie Untie So I speak this over you. Did not God tell you that if you'd believe you'd see the glory of the Lord? I hold mine every Sunday morning on that front row. You'll see it. David said, I almost fainted. I was almost, but I waited to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I held on. It's okay to almost faint. It's okay to faint and get back up. I'd almost quit. But God, I'm glad I didn't. Because God keeps His Word. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you this morning.